1: What's going on, Justin? Hey, Matt. That was a surprise. I was ready to get after, and you just snuck right in there. Thanks for opening today.
0: I just felt like it was time to break with tradition and <laughs> sound like the charismatic one with all kinds of questions and enthusiasm, so yeah. I'm going to get this started and then probably fall back to my usual self as we go.
1: Perfect. I love it. Well, you took the work right from under me, and that's okay, so I'm sitting back and relaxing from here on in. Okay. <laughs> I'll still ask questions because I'm the one who doesn't know as much, so we'll, st- we'll keep with that.
0: All right. Well. I have a question for you, and that would be, what should we talk about today? Well, Matt, uh,
1: something that often comes up, and and it's not so much on the rig level, it's not so much operations, but uh, it comes down to more the engineering and the planning side of things. Uh, And by that, I mean hydraulics. And for those out there, it's not the hydraulics that you see on the street with some fancy cars bouncing up and down. However, that is a form of hydraulic.
0: A form of awesome, but we're going to talk about a different kind of awesomeness.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, fluid hydraulics. Um, so Matt, obviously you know what that is. Uh, I'll let you explain that because you'll probably explain it in a better technical manner than myself. So what are, what are when when in the drilling fluid world or in the drilling world, what are we referring to when we say hydraulics?
0: So when we're running hydraulics, we're doing the calculations, usually through some sort of software to basically simulate what our equivalent pressures are. Um, so we're calculating the friction of this fluid being pumped at a certain rate, Um, we may be modeling the the ability to clean the hole relative to annular velocities and some sort of model. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it typically involves a computer. It doesn't have to, um, you know, for some of you old school types, uh, but, uh, generally speaking, it's, you know, kind of getting more and more sophisticated where there's a lot of software out there that people lean on or, or at the very least an Excel spreadsheet.
1: Yeah. Actually, my first encounter with hydraulics was... (laughs) <clears throat> a gentleman who was rather old school and he took so much pride in being able to calculate ECDs by calculator and by hand. Mm-hmm. And I showed him this magical tool called Excel and he didn't like it very much. <laughs> so he felt the need to continue to calculate it by hand while I sat there and waited for him to finish just to compare the numbers. And this is when I was training offshore and uh, he was a he was old school hand from, nor- uh, from new Orleans actually. But, uh, Anyways, yeah, so things like ECD, um, you know, bottom hole pressure, standpipe pressures, um, you know, it, it all is very important, especially to the operator, because you can plan your well and you can plan your fluid systems um, and different properties play into, into the outcome of these models or these calculations. Uh, so, Matt... Um, so what do we do with hydraulics? Get, you know, what are some deliverables when, when the operator asks us to run some hydraulics? What are we actually delivering?
0: A lot of times there will be, the outputs can sometimes be confusing. That's one of my criticisms. We, you know, we've tried to really narrow down what we report, even though the reports will give you a whole bunch of information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what we want to see, the trick is, you know, we do a lot of unconventional drilling and we can tell you what our expected ECD is. We honestly don't know the fracture gradient in most situations, so we can just kind of say, okay. Right. Um, hole cleaning, we can say you're not going to have issues, and, and that probably ties more into, on the design side, when you, you're trying to communicate to a, an operator, hey, I know you really want to let go of the brake, but with this hole size and the flow rates we can achieve, may, maybe the rig only has rig pumps that go to 3,500 PSI, right. we need to slow down our ROP if we want to clean the hole, because at this velocity, we're not going to have uh, good hole cleaning. Sure. Um, so there's a lot of different things we can do and, uh, you know, on the planning side. And then the flip side of that is when I run into trouble, I like to put together a hydraulics file as quickly as possible if I don't already have one so that I can say, okay, we're not matching the model here. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we can at least say, look at these flow rates, we should be having good hole cleaning. I think maybe we have another problem, you know, for sure. So that, that kind of thing. I gotcha. And, and also things to, uh, you know, surge and
1: swab, uh, that's really important is being yeah. able to model downhole pressures. Cause if you're on a tight ECD window and you're going in with casing or even drill pipe for that matter, but a lot of times, uh, you know, operators will be, uh, keying in on what the bottom hole pressure looks like, um, while we're coming out of the hole. Cause as you're coming out, it kind of acts like a plunger. So your bottom hole pressures are going to naturally want to decrease the faster you pull out of the hole, your bottom hole pressure is going to decrease, which if 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 that happens, if you decrease it too much, you can then swab, which pulls in fluid or gas or rock, uh, and and acts like like I said, kind of like a plunger. And then and then the opposite for going in the hole, if you're going to surge it, uh, it's like putting a plunger and shoving it down the hole. You're you know if you go too the, the the higher the speed, the more pressure you're applying to the well bore, which can induce losses, which is extremely troublesome. And then you can induce a lot of other things from that point. So uh, if you're in an area where uh, you know, those are the sensitive downhole pressures. Certainly you would want to run those, uh, ECD. I would say that's probably, you know, one of the most common ones, like, you know, what's our ECD going to be at, you know, X ROP X pump rate with XBHA, X profile. Um, then you can model ECD if they know that they're fracture grade and you can't exceed, you know, X pounds, uh, knowing where you need to, uh, keep your drilling fluid properties and your pump rate and your ROP. You can kind of come up with a plan uh, to make sure you don't exceed that, uh, then, you know, which obviously helps you, you know, not lose mud or you know, run into any issues on that front.
0: Yeah, well, and I've, one of the most amusing things I always find is when um, you know, we show some hydraulics models and someone gets upset because they say, look, when we're pumping at a lower pump rate, my ECD goes up and it's right because you're not cleaning the hole and now you have cuttings in it. Yeah. Um and so there's there's kind of that perfect balance of trying to recognize okay, if I'm circ- if I'm if I'm pumping as hard as I can, I may have a, I'll have a high ECD. If I'm pumping well enough to clean the hole, I should have a lower ECD. And if I lower my pump rate too low to clean the hole, I'm going to have a higher ECD again. Right. Um so different exhibits like that I think help people understand you know, a lot of the models will show what your hydraulics are going to be relative to, you know, are you rotating your pipe enough? Um, you know, wow, you can't drill at 800 feet an hour all the time at this pump rate, you know, just, just different things like that. Yep. Um, and I think it just brings people back down to reality to say, okay, we're, we got to make sure we're in the right direction. Yeah,
1: for sure. And then another big one too, is the whole whole cleaning thing. And then obviously we've been talking that a little bit, but one of the neat outputs that a lot of uh, hydraulics models will deliver is, you know, your bed height. Mm -hmm. Uh, So especially drilling in a horizontal well, anything over 5,000 feet, you know, two mile plus laterals uh, oftentimes hole cleaning becomes very, very troublesome and not troublesome, but it's, it's very important because obviously it can lead into a lot of troubles, but uh, a lot of models will tell you your theoretical bed height. um, And, you know, there's debate on, you know, you want you know five, less than five percent bed height is you know you're good this and that but but really you, what what that allows you to do and nowadays a lot of it you can plug in a number and it automatically changes so you can you know adjust flow rates you can adjust your yield points you can adjust your ROP you can adjust you know there's so many things you can adjust to tweak but but again hole cleaning is another big one that I'm sure everyone out there has heard the term hole cleaning hydraulics. Um, I would say between that and, and ECD, that's probably something from the drilling fluid standpoint that we really focused on quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and I would say so, Justin. As an account manager, when you want to run hydraulics, you tend to harass these mud engineers for a bunch <laughs> of information. Yeah, and they get very upset, and then there's all kinds of there's all kinds of friction here because it's <laughs> I don't need that, I need this. Right. Um So when we when we hammer these folks for all of this information. Yeah. Um, tell me a bit more about what you ask for and why it's so important to have all of it. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of inputs, uh, that go into
1: proper hydraulics calculations. Um, you know, a lot of times people will make a lot of assumptions, uh, which given the circumstances, sometimes you have to make some assumptions, but Uh, It's funny, actually, you know, going back to my CES days uh, as a tech, uh, several of the operators up there were very, uh, they key in on our whole cleaning hydraulics. So every mud report that got sent out, I was responsible for running hydraulics. And um, it got to a point where I sent a spreadsheet to, we call him mud man up there, uh, or to the mud engineer. And every time they would have to fill out, a spreadsheet with the mud report and send it to me so that I didn't have to ask them. And a lot of it was like, you know, cuttings diameter and you know, all these nitty gritty ones. But, you know, for example, to, to answer your question, there's a lot of input, um, things like BHA uh, that's extremely important because that pressure, so hydraulics, uh, you really, a lot of the calculations depend on your clearance, uh, between your, either your drill pipe and your, or basically your annulus, because there's a significant difference in pressure drop. And that's what ECDs calculated on is the different pressure drops along your well bore and along your uh, rig equipment. So the BHA is very important. Um you know bottom hole temperature is obviously important. Your nozzles, um because there's a lot of pressure drop through your bit. Uh even things like tool joints. You know, it's funny because you know there's a spot in you know in most people's uh rig files, but in tool joint and a lot of times it'll just default if you're running five inch drill pipe, it'll just default to a five inch tool joint. But one doesn't realize if you add up and say a 20,000 foot well, all those tool joints that are, I'm just going to say three feet, you know, between the male and female. And if you combine it together, it could be, yeah. you know, two and a half, three, maybe even four feet. If you get into the, to the heavyweight drill pipe, uh, that accounts for a lot of pressure drop, especially if you, if you extrapolate that and then you add it up, it could be thousands of feet worth of you know, six and a half, seven inch, whatever that diameter is, but uh, all that plays a part and can drastically change the output. So anytime someone's running hydraulics, you should actually appreciate the more data you give them because the numbers will be far more
0: accurate. Yes. I mean, and I, I mean, it's been incredible when I've had, so, you know, from dialing in that, that information, I, I've actually been able to adjust Relative to how old the pipe is, like pipe erosion, yeah, and been able to get within like 100 psi on a, on like a deep water well, mm-hmm. you know, like that good. Where I had a colleague who was doing the same thing, and he uh, um, he was getting very different numbers than the PWD, the downhole yes uh, measurement, and they pulled the tool. Wow, um, and it, it was the tool. No way. But um, it was just like this guy's been doing this too long and too accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you, you really have these things dialed in and, and really you'll know when you, when you change flow rates and you get the exact same sta- the exact correct standpipe pressure or really, really close Yeah. At, at different flow rates, you'll know you've, you've really got something dialed in there.
1: Yeah. And for the listeners out there, so what happens when you're drilling, you have on your drilling rig, you have what everyone knows is standpipe pressure. And that's how much pressure is being applied to the standpipe, which is the piece of pipe that is connected to the rig floor that has fluid going inside right before going down the drill string, and so, um, and what hydraulics calculations can model is how much pressure in theory should be applied, and so if that number isn't relatively close, I'm not going to give a percent because it kind of varies, but it should be. You, you try to get within a few hundred PSI. I mean, the closer, the better. But if you're off seven, eight, a thousand, I've, I've ran a quick model and all of a sudden I'm 1200 PSI off and I'm like, okay, I need yeah. to look at my input. So that's kind of like the first, am I close? And if you, if you are, it's always good to double check, but, uh, things like, you know, uh, pressure drop across your mud motor, that's a tough one to get a lot of times. And so that's one where people play with a lot. But if you have a good relationship with your directional driller, or if you know someone that's providing the directional, a lot of times they have that data. But it's oftentimes hard to get. Yeah, so, and
0: sometimes those tools are calibrated with water, and there's all kinds of things that can happen.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: But, uh, and I, and I think to your point, you know, you you get these things um, dialed in, and it, it can just make a, a big difference on kind of your event scenarios and, and that sort of thing. And that's why yeah. that's why we make these mud engineers so miserable is. <laughs> Um, that this information is very valuable to us. The, you know, the customer in the office is generally asking, or we want to put this informa- information in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it reflects poorly on us um, if we don't have the best information possible to put in front of them and help them make decisions. For sure.
1: And at the end of the day, to tie that this whole topic up with regards to, to the inputs is, Quality data in, quality data out. So if you're if you're making a bunch of assumptions and putting stuff in there hoping to get a decent answer, chances are you're not. So just just be mindful of that. If you're ever dealing with hydraulics, make sure any input that your program is asking for, try to get real input.
0: Yeah. I, I put a the, the metaphor I use is, you know, garbage. I, I put a picture of a dumpster <laughs> yeah. and then I put a bunch of pictures of very organized, like, waste bins. And I'm like, <laughs> right. it's still garbage. It's just pretty the format looks prettier. So <laughs> yeah. like let's Let's make sure we do much better than that,
1: yeah, exactly. All right, so moving on, um I'm sure most people understand or have heard that have run hydraulics, but there's different models of hydraulics, Matt, why don't you describe each category um just briefly describe what they are and maybe when to best use them
0: sure i I mean we you know so depending on what fluid and and a lot of the hydraulics programs, you can assign this mm-hmm. um and and I'll say I've used a number of of programs and uh You know, I I don't know if accuracy is as much of a problem anymore as, you know, there's different features. Some are easier to use than others. Um, you know, my, my biggest kind of, um, you know, concern would definitely be is, is getting the right information in. Um, and you can normally assign a model or it may automatically assign a model depending on what you put in for your dial readings. Right. Um, so, like a Newtonian fluid, let's say you're just drilling with water, um, brine, uh, base oil, those things, they're Newtonian fluids. So, shear rate, shear stress, linear slope, um, viscosity, you know, depending on relative to your shear, is, is get, you know, predicted that way. And I can calculate friction. Okay. Um, power law kind of has a, a curve to it. It's got, um, it, it basically has a, um, uh, a flow flow behavior index and a consistency index basically and and this is typically if you were just drilling with water and a polymer um most polymers will follow this they have a tau 0 or a zero shear reading of zero mm-hmm. um and so power law fluids are are not uncommon but in the world of drilling fluids uh when you have a zero shear uh or zero vis- viscosity of zero at zero shear mm-hmm. We know that's not really true because most of our fluids offer some form of sus- suspension, right? Right. Um, and this is where we get into, for example, the Bingham plastic is probably the easiest to pencil and paper that's reliable. This is the one where um, it, you basically take the, the, the slope of, of your your line is basically going to be your, your plastic viscosity and your zero shear intercept is going to be your yield point. Mm. So when people talk, what's the yield point? What's the yield point? It's it's arguably that number um, at zero shear. However, it, it grossly overestimates most viscosities relative to what we use. Right. That being said, since we've always kind of calibrated for that, it's still a serviceable value. Um, but what happened was API thirteen D. The I think it came out in twenty seventeen. They go through all this stuff pretty well and 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 they've adopted Herschel bulkley, which is what most most of these fluids are okay um and it sort of has the best of both worlds between a power law and a herschel bulkley fluid um it's got some exponents there where basically it looks sort of like a power law, but you have a an offset which we call a tau zero, so instead of ending at zero, it's gonna end up at some number you know let's say eight um And so a lot of times, this number is estimated as your low shear yield point, um, two times your three RPM reading minus your six. Yeah. Um, There is a more complicated, confusing way to calculate it, basically sort of doing a guess and check on a spreadsheet, or these software programs will will come up with it. Gotcha. Um, But all of that being said... it's valuable because what you want to see is it'll, when you know the viscosity, then you know how much force is applied to it at that pump rate and how much friction resistance. So think of this whole thing as a system. You have that standpipe pressure. That's the number, you know, and you're going to lose pressure every foot you go. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose pressure at the bit. You're going to lose pressure, you know, going down the pipe, up the pipe, all those things. And so what we want is we want that system to come back at surface where we basically have zero pressure, right? You're standing at the flow line and nobody's getting blasted with mud. Right. Right, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. So um, to do all that math and calculate all that viscosity, it's important to know which model you're using. Um, you know, Bingham Plastic, I don't know if I mentioned, like gel slurries, cement, uh, a lot of those tend to follow that model. Okay. Herschel Bulkley is most of your oil-based muds and your polymer systems. Herschel Bulkley is pretty safe for most drilling fluids that we're using. Okay. So. No, I think that's, that's a good takeaway because- I mean,
1: even myself, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, there was years where I ran it every day and I was familiar with this, but just like anything, if you walk away from it for a while, you slowly start to, to get, uh, you, you know, it's just not as familiar. And then, uh, all of a sudden you, you, you know, our techs are busy and I got to jump behind the hydraulics, uh, program that we use. And I kind of sometimes have to ask some folks or scratch my head and look back at some old notes like, Oh, which model do I need to use? But, uh, you know, I think that's a good takeaway and a good nugget for folks, you know, if you're drilling with oil-based mud, diesel, you know, and and you're drilling uh, lateral wells, Herschel Buckley is, uh, you know, nine out of ten times you're going to be relatively safe there. And I and I think industry standard, most people will respect the numbers, and and, and we we can
0: run with those. Sure, I mean I won't say Bingham plastics not bad if you're, like low in rheology, it's a little bit, it's going to read high, mm-hmm. but on the high end, Herschel Buckley basically breaks down at high shear into a Bingham plastic, like the models match. Okay. And so, you know, if you're looking for, um, your overall system, like standpipe pressure calculations and that sort of thing, um, you'll <laughs> likely get, uh, you know, you should get the same, the same values or gotcha. fairly similar values. So, um, all that being said, uh, we can confuse everybody with these models. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that could be a whole
1: nother episode, but, uh, I think unless someone has a real desire need to learn about them there's a lot of math in, in that's involved uh certainly that you know stuff that I wouldn't talk about too much cuz I've been known to make up my own formulas actually that comes back from my college days uh quick story on that we were studying for an algebra test and my buddy was super good at math and I was not quite as good and uh we were doing some homework and I and I, <laughs> I was doing some calculus and I was like hey Jeff take a look at this and actually Jeff's a Chevron completions engineer way smarter than myself but uh, he looked at that and he just started like howling. He was like, "You realize that like you just made up your own formulas. Like this <laughs> makes no sense." And I like would have been willing to bet that I was right. So um, that's why I am not going to describe the math behind a lot of this. Maybe that's another another you know another story for another day for Matt Offenbacher. But uh, you know for practical uses, hopefully we've answered most of the questions. Matt, what else is there?
0: Um, I, I mean, I think you you have to keep in mind a lot of these things c- calculate for uh, viscosity and temperature uh they account for viscosity and pressure so we need a whole mud report because solids are incompressible brine's a little compressible oils a lot more compressible mm-hmm. um so you can you can actually account for a lot of these different things um and uh you know getting the numbers right uh obviously is the first step to seeing what else could be going wrong or or if we're designing around Um, you know, especially when you're on those wells that are on the margins of, are we capable of this? Mm -hmm. We, you know, we've got a much higher mud weight than expected, that sort of thing. But um, you know, Justin, I know you've, I think we've both been in front of customers where we've had to rely heavily on a hydraulics model. Yeah. Um, Do you have any good recent examples? Yeah.
1: uh, Actually something that comes up quite commonly is uh, when it comes to hole cleaning and, and which also ties into, uh, you know, your, Your standpipe pressures and 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 identifying how much mud weight you can get away with towards the end of the well. Uh, A lot of these wells we're drilling nowadays are two miles, uh, you know, and even further. And a lot of times, uh, you know, a drilling engineer or or an operator will ask, you know, given this well profile, uh, given this casing design, given this BHA and directional, you know, given all these inputs that I'm hoping to be able to apply. What does my what is, what do my ECDs look like? Because um, generally they know their frac gradient, and so you know running models to uh, to be able to calculate in theory what standpipe pressure is because rigs have limitations. So what they'll do is they'll hope that they can get away with pumping 500 gallons a minute with a 14 pound mud weight with this BHA. Um, but then everyone has to talk to each other to understand each other's limitations between the rig contractor. You know the the, the directional company, um, trying to figure out you know your TFA, which is your you know um, total force area is that total what? flow area flow area on your bits because you got nozzles and different nozzles depending on how many and the size you know that calculates and that also comes into pressure drop. Uh, so anyway, going back to the question, it's like, hey, here's all this information uh, with the mud program that you put together with your properties. What is my what is my standpipe pressure going to look like? And a lot of that is is more uh, to double check because they a lot of times have their own uh, hydraulics models that they run. Maybe the directional company runs it because I've even seen some directional companies actually come up with a lot of the same hydraulics uh, calculate. Like they'll be asked the same thing, and so a lot of it's like making sure everyone's calculations are. are you know, it's kind of like when you're doing homework with your buddies. It's like, hey, is your answer the same as mine? Okay, cool, we're good. Yeah, uh, something similar. So that that's one that that's uh, for me uh, something that's been you know quite common is just understanding, you know, standby pressure. What's my whole cleaning going to look like at TD and uh, what mud weight can I get away with without blowing the bottom out?
0: Well, and, and not only blowing the bottom out, but I find, uh, you know, we're all guilty where we give ourselves a little bit of a safety factor, but let's say the pumps are 5,000 PSI. Mm-hmm. Do we ever circulate at 5,000 PSI? <laughs> the rig contractor won't like it. Right. So you, you let's, let's say what, what do you think we do? 4,500 before yeah. anybody screams? Sure. That's yeah. all right. And let's say that, you know, whatever the pop offs are set at, you know, we want to make sure that we're well below that. Of course. Um, or you'll have mud blasted everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, there's all these sort of like safety factors, or even if the rig is rated to it, you have to engineer around what everybody's comfortable with. Of course, yeah. Um, and there's good, very good reasons for that. So even if even if I think my hole is as strong as can be and I'm not gonna induce losses, um, there's other things. and I mean, I, I had an experience with a customer where um, they want to do a coil tubing job on like a 30,000-foot spool of coil, you know, one-and-a-half-inch coil or something to mm-hmm. clean out a, a deep water well. And it was basically like, let me explain with a viscosified fluid through that small of a space <laughs> and that large of an annulus, this is going to take a long time <laughs> yeah. um, because you can't circulate you know, it, getting up to, I think the pumps for 7,500 PSI or something like it won't take long to get there. Um, and so there were just a lot of back and forth and a lot of simulations. What if we change that? Yep. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause proper
1: planning like that. I mean, if if you take the time to do the proper modeling and it doesn't have to be every, well, a lot of times it's a new area, a new pad, maybe you're getting a new rig, maybe a new directional company, new mud company, whatever. A lot of this stuff, there's a lot of upfront work involved. And then once you know because most of the stuff that we're in now on conventionals is manufactured mode. So once you kind of set it up, not much changes, but you know, w- w- you know, maybe, maybe you're you know, nowadays it's very uncommon, but if you're wildcatting mm-hmm. a lot of this, a lot of planning and, and stuff gets taken into consideration and hydraulics is certainly one of them before you even get the rig on location. Cause you don't want to adjust the stuff on the fly. If things are going sideways, you want to go in understanding what your limitations are and, and what you can get away with.
0: Yeah. And if you're on a pad, you, you know, it's, it's pretty clear the well net 10 feet away from you is, is going to be pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've, I've come into some, some other fairly interesting scenario, you know, probably most basic example. We had a well war collapse situation where we were getting pretty big chunks across the shakers mm-hmm. and we were explaining that we need to work these, these out and, and that sort of thing. And, um, one of the things I was explaining to the customers why it would be so difficult if we had this big cavern we have no annular velocity and everything. If we kept drilling while we were trying to stay freed up, and the well kept coming in on us, that um, we wouldn't be able to get anything past this spot because the hole cleaning was so poor. And, and really, our our only bet, by the looks of it, was to keep you, you know hopefully get our mud weight up and get everything stabilized. But we had to break up those cavings mm-hmm. into something small enough that they could be conveyed and get out of the hole. And that was just going to take time and patience and work in the pipe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably one of the more interesting activities I had was, was when I, I worked uh, overseas, we had a, uh, you know, the whole field, they had a subsurface team. They knew what their frack gradient was, or they, they had a purported frack gradient. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you're not going to say what you really think it is. You're going to say a safe number that is likely <laughs> worthwhile. Then You know the drilling team; they're talking about mud weights and that sort of thing, and nobody wants to go on losses. So you kind of start painting yourself in a corner as far as what room you actually have to work with. Yeah. Um, But what would happen is they would exceed the fracture gradient as it was posted, and so the drilling drilling team would just say, "Well, we don't believe those guys; they have no credibility. Forget about it. We'll just drill till we go on losses or have problems." And and this was particularly an issue running casing, circulating casing, and cementing. Hmm. Um. And so what we did was we said, okay, we know when we start circulating at X rate with the last mud reports, mud properties, what we see is we go on losses at this equivalent pressure. Why don't we use this as our ECD and design the whole operation around that being our ECD limit? Is is below that? You know, give us a couple of tenths. Um. And so then it was on the drilling side. That was how we you know, model everything for our limits, then, you know, what, you know, run casing and, and that handover of casing and circulating the cementers want to circulate as fast as they can. Yeah. Um, we don't, we know better than that. Um, and then even placing the slurry as far as, did they need low density cement? Did they need some of these other things? Um, we were able to simulate all that. Uh, hmm. and the dynamics of that, we, we were basically able to kind of write our own fracture gradient limits, uh, to, to try and stay around. And, and it worked, pretty effectively yeah um you hmm, know that's there a great was exam. yeah th- i think the challenge there was it required extra steps and more cost to stay below it but the value was there once we were successful a few times certainly so
1: okay um matt there's there's really only one other topic that i that i wanted to touch on here and, and it kind of ties into the whole cleaning uh, part of things and it's something that i'm sure a lot of people have heard but the old infamous reynolds number mm-hmm. um back when I was running hydraulics uh, a lot for CES and their customers, one thing that they wanted to know was what flow pattern we were in while circulating. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's familiar with turbulent flow, transitional, and plug flow. Um, and so, if anyone out there was wondering about that, um, Matt, how would you describe the unitless Reynolds number and and why is that important to to us nowadays? Or, or what is it? Just in case people have heard that and weren't really familiar with what that is.
0: Yeah, sure. So I mean. Reynolds' number is, is basically, like you said, a unit, unitless number that, that uh, basically, from, from the math perspective, gives you what sort of flow regime you're in. And it's frustrating to try and explain what you're actually in, because they've come up with about seven different, you know, from, from turbulence down to laminar flow, there's, laminar, there's semi-laminar, there's the, you can, you can make this as complicated as, as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, But it's, you know, it's going to be a mathematical function of your viscosity. For example, higher viscosity, harder to get turbulence. Um, You're going to need a higher flow rate. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So even mud weight, which I can't really change, is a factor. So ultimately what it means is try and keep your viscosity down and try and keep your your pump rate up to get a higher Reynolds number, be closer, you know, more in that turbulent regime. Okay. But um, I will qualify that in as much as a lot of, a lot of the folks demanding it, there's something you're overlooking. I can get you turbulent flow, but in a horizontal well, I'm probably not going to be turbulent in the entire hole, right? Yeah I don't have concentric pipe. Um, so at the top of the hole, I can tell you, I'm turbulent all day long. I could also be not rotating my pipe, and I could have local flow regime areas where I have plug flow or almost no flow, yeah. um, next to the pipe, which is why when we pipe rotation is so important to keep keep that turbulent regime moving around and always contacting every side of the wellbore. Yes. The other thing is we get hammered on calculating this and most of the equations that are actually easy to provide, um, they're based on Newtonian fluids and we're not Newtonian. Okay. Um, so the answer is if you want those values, it's complicated. A lot of those, uh, a lot of the, um, uh, software will be able to tell you what flow regime you're in, um, you know, without the kind of pencil and paper frustration. Uh, but bear in mind that even those models are trying to determine how much of the, uh, if you took a cross section of bore, how much of that is actually in turbulence. Mm. Um, so I could arguably be in turbulence and not actually be covering the whole part of the whole. Cool. So, Anyways, that is actually a very good question, okay. um, and something that I go on tirades periodically in front of people <laughs> who don't care. But it, it, it's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought it up.
1: Sure. And if anyone out there wants to, you know, further discuss that, you know, we're always open to conversation. Or if you want to hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at aesfluids.com, we're, uh, you know, we're always available LinkedIn as well. Matt, that's about as much hydraulics I can take. What do you think? Should we wrap this thing up? I think so. Awesome. Well, with all the chaos out there, everyone, please remember, keep calm and drill on. And use hand sanitizer. (laughs) That too. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flowline. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.